Support for MPB comes from the Mississippi Museum of Art in Jackson. What Became of Dr. Smith by artist Noah Satterstrom is on view now through September 22, 2024. Learn more at msmuseumart.org. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. Hello, welcome to the Mississippi Arts Hour. I'm Larry Morrissey with the Mississippi Arts Commission, and this is Arts Commission's weekly turn at the microphone here at MPB, guided by our faithful producer, Kevin Farrell, behind the boards for us today. Each week, we come to you with an in-depth discussion with a different creative Mississippian. We talk to people, uh, we talk to musicians, we talk to craftspeople, artists, and we talk to the Mississippi diaspora as well, people who've gone on to to other places uh, but still hold on to Mississippi. And today uh, we have a, a special show. We're, we're going to be talking about the late Mose Allison and a brand new tribute album that's just come out uh, featuring a lot of different artists uh, covering his work. Uh, and on the phone with us today is uh, Allison's daughter, Amy Allison. Amy, welcome. Oh, thank you. Good to be with you. Thanks for your time today. And so this is a, a this there's a a brand new it's just come out a brand new tribute album to your late father Mose Allison uh, called If You're Going to the City and it has all types of people uh, on there doing uh, some of some of the very well known uh, songs by your father as well as some lesser known ones. Um, tell us a little bit. Well, well, first maybe you can talk over just give people overview of some of the people that are that are featured on the on the album. Well, it's a, a, a wide range of people. I mean, um, you know, I think we could have had a, a double album, <laughs> mm-hmm. but because people were so responsive, you know, when we reached out to them, and uh, there are, oh gosh, I, I I hate to just name some and then not others, but <laughs> there are people in rock and and country, and you know, there's Jackson Brown, there's Chrissy Hines, there's Iggy Pop, Loudon Wainwright, um, Fiona Apple, and you know, there's uh, gosh, I I don't want to, and Frank Black of the Pit of the Pixies, who actually wrote, you know, the Pixies had a song about my dad called Allison. So I didn't realize I that. that. Was really okay. nice. Yeah, yeah, I um, yeah, it's called Allison. It's a great, great little song, you know, tribute to him. So. Um, yeah, so it, we, you know, I think we just kind of started with people we knew or that we knew were fans, and, and uh, it was me and Don Heffington, uh, drummer out of L.A., great guy who's played with just about everybody, and, and we've been friends a long time. And, and you know, he brought Sheldon uh, from Sweet Relief um, into it. So some of the, some of the tracks are recorded um, sort of produced by them at Sheldon's studio. But um, a lot of the other ones were people just sent us, you know, they recorded it however they wanted it and wherever they wanted it and sent it to us. So, yeah. And, yeah. and so, great. And so I was remiss to mention also this is coming out on Fat Possum, Oxford, Mississippi's uh, hometown, our home state label is, is uh, putting this out and it's going to be in multiple formats. Um, but starting out, so so your father passed away in 2016. When when did the kind of the gears start going to put this together? What was the initial kind of inspiration for this? Oh, that's funny. I mean, it's um, not too long after. You know, I was I was um, 
you know, I don't. I never think things like this can come together easily. I always think like, oh, how how are we going to do that? You know. But I think I just sort of was talking to Don, and Don was like, we could do it. You know, it's he seemed to be more uh, hopeful that it, it could take it could actually, you know, materialize. <laughs> and uh, so then I just, you know, it just seemed to gain steam, you know, quickly. And uh, but it was, I think it was not too long after he passed away that we we've started you know thinking about it and that I think, was in, he, he passed away in november of 2016 yeah yeah and um of course he was you know it was throughout his lifetime people were covering his work so this is kind of just the latest iteration of it, it started back in the 1960s with a lot of the kind of the british invasion bands who really were into him as young people um but yeah. I and I and you see a little bit of that here with like uh, Richard Thompson, you know, kind of the first generation of fans. But it's also interesting to see people like, uh, like you said, Frank Black and uh, Fiona Apple, some kind of you know some younger people who are also I- involved in this as well. I guess who, who who saw him as an influence? Yeah, I mean, it does. It's it's yeah. He seems to have you know been a musician that most musicians you know related to in some way you know he he uh you know i mean i i know some people that you wouldn't even you know it might not be obvious um when you hear their music but there's something relatable that they uh that they just seem to really um admire and and be inspired by you know Probably one of the more surprising ones is Iggy Pop on here. Of course, he's from that first generation, but definitely kind of, uh, in, in, yeah. in, at least in, in in presentation, a lot different from Mose Allison. I know he was really great. He he was just like, oh, you know, I think I I had a suggestion for a song, and he's like, that's exactly what I was going to do. And he was, I don't know him personally, but you know, our emails were very friendly, and he was. He he sent us that great track that he just did in Miami with you know a friend of his and you know that was very thrilling. Yeah, so so you started getting the word out. Some people started you know wanting to to be involved. Um, how did you how did you go about um, with the you know there's there's some some of his most well known songs people cover on here as well as some more um, obscure ones. How did you? Was it up to the artist, or were there, you know, how did how did the song choice process work? It was up to the artist. Um, you know, I think in, there were some things, maybe you know, where I I had a uh, an idea, but I would never, you know, I, I if somebody had a strong impulse to do a certain song, you know, that was fine. You know, I wanted them to do what they really, but you know, I wanted them to do what they wanted. And so, so and so, mm-hmm. when these started coming in, was there were there any that in particular kind of like surprised you in terms of their approach or you know the either the song choice or how how they went about uh, performing it? Um. Yeah. Well, Robbie Folks is a good example. <laughs> he did one like from my dad's last record, the one that was produced by Joe Henry called My Brain, and he just did, like, a really incredibly uh, creative version of it and that kind of 
took us all by surprise and you know but that's Robbie he's really great and then um uh you know there's lots of lots of them that uh just looking at it right now I mean some of them were live you know um tracks like mm-hmm. Bonnie Raitt and then uh, Richard Thompson and that was nice and you know I know Dave Alvin and they you know I think that they just happened to talk to Sheldon or Don and was like oh my god we want to do it and they knew the song they wanted to do and and um then uh you know Frank chose a really obscure song that I love called Numbers on Paper and you know that's really lovely and Elvis Costello sang with me on a track um which was really nice and uh anything Mose is the name of this band that um well they're they're all distinguished jazz musicians but they put together like a combo um to do all my dad's songs and they called themselves anything Mose and they did they did the track too and uh Anyway, am I answering the question? You did. You did perfect. <laughs> and Jackson Brown was really surprising. Cause, yeah. You know, I mean, he's like, you've known him forever. And right. Like, and I wouldn't have, I, I, I wouldn't have, you know, automatically thought, oh, yeah, you love well, my dad. We can get him, right. <laughs> it was great. Yeah. He just was completely into it. So. You're listening to the Arts Hour. I'm Larry Morrissey, and we're talking um, by phone today with Amy Allison. She's the daughter of the late Mose Allison, who's the piano player, singer, songwriter, and uh, from originally from the Mississippi Delta. And uh, there's a brand new uh, album out on Fat Possum called "If You're Going to the City." It's a tribute to Mose Allison, featuring a lot of different musicians who we've been talking about uh, doing his work. Um, so let's talk about. Um, Let's talk a little bit about your track that's on that's featured on here with Elvis Costello. How did that first? It, I, I I'm guessing Elvis is a fan. Was a fan of your father's work. Yeah, he was. Yeah, he's um, yeah, he's he said a lot of great things. He did. We we also there was a um, there was a tribute done here by J.C. Hopkins Band, and I asked Elvis to sing with me, and he did. And you know, I've also known him. Um, in conjunction with my my uh, music too, he's uh, he's been really supportive of my songwriting and my records, and you know he. Uh, so I have a history with him, you know, apart from you know my dad. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, he's incredibly generous. He's uh, you know he sent one of my songs to Emmy Lou Harris, and she recorded it on on her last. Record. Oh, wonderful! You know, so he's yeah. been very, very supportive of me, and just like agreed, you know, just to, you know, yeah, I'll sing that song with you, and anyway, it ended up being included here. So, well, the song yeah. "Monsters of the Id" comes from a, a an early uh, '70s record uh, by your father. Um, it's kind of an interesting record in that it has it's kind of like a big. Um, Kind of almost a, not a big band sound, but definitely a large horn section kind of working. Right. On, uh, unlike a lot of his records, which were trios or quartets, this was like a big, a big sounding record. What are your yeah. What are your memories of that? It, was this did this song go back? Did this song stand out to you like in childhood, or t- t- talk about your history with this? I think 
like it always did. Yeah, you know, it was so um, kind of creepy, but really, and I loved the arrangement with the horns and stuff. My dad did all the arrangements on that record, and I think it's the only time he did kind of a big band arrangement thing. And, um, yeah, so we did it a little differently, but... He was up until you know he stopped playing. He was doing that song live, and you know it was just as haunting and and as as it always was, you know, and you know and just very apt, you know. How did you and I mean when you and Elvis were kind of prepping this, how did you talk about like how you wanted to do it differently from the original recording? Well, you know, we did, we recorded the song. Um, I recorded the song for my record, and then we asked him to, then I, it occurred to me, it's like, wouldn't it be cool if I asked Elvis to to share the, the song, you know, to duet with me? And he did. So he just kind of entered in after it was done, you know, after the track was, uh, you know, all the other instrumentation was on there and stuff. Right. So I, we really, it was really Don Heffington who, you know, who, who is the co-producer of this, you know, if you go into the city. And he was the one who was um, at the helm or whatever. And he he uh, he hired the musicians. He produced the track and hired the musicians that, that came and played. And and then he got Elvis Costello in his little studio, and which is awesome. That know? is awesome. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. If you ever miss one of our locally produced shows or want to simply hear it again, you can find what you need at mpbonline.org or download our podcast app to your smartphone. MPB programming is on your schedule at mpbonline.org. We're back on the Arts Hour. I'm Larry Morrissey, and today we're talking, uh, remembering Mose Allison. There's a brand new tribute album out to him called If You're Going to the City on Fat Possum Records, and we're talking with his daughter Amy Allison on the phone uh, today about the record. Um, uh, you had mentioned uh, off mic we wanted to make sure and uh, recognize uh, the contributions of uh, Chrissy Hine from the Pretenders of this record. Yeah. I mean, she was, I knew that she was a fan because I'd read um, her, you know, I guess there was a piece in her autobiography where she said really lovely things about him. And so I knew that, that she was a fan and I thought how great it would be uh, to get her. And then I actually had a friend who knew her manager and that's how I got to her. But she responded immediately and she also put us in touch with Iggy. So I really owe her thanks. You know, she's been great. And let's make sure and mention, so part of the proceeds uh, from the record are going to go to the Sweet Relief organization. Could you tell mm-hmm. folks a little bit about Sweet, Sweet Relief? Sure. It's um, the Sweet Relief Musicians Fund, and it's for people, for musicians in need, really. And a lot of it is um, health, you know, people who don't have insurance. And uh, it started out with um, Victoria Williams. Uh, I think a lot of her friends and uh, got together, other other artists, and um, covered her songs to contribute to her um, medical bills. 
And then she very generously, like I think, allocated an amount that, or just said, let's make this a, a permanent thing. And, and so now it's, it's been going for years, you know, since the 90s, I think. God, I hope I'm not saying the wrong I, think, I, I mean, that, as far as I know, I think it's been going on that long. And yeah, and, I think uh, you're right. Yeah, and it all, but it all started there, and uh, you know, they do great work. You know, they they really help um, help out musicians who you know are in a bad spot. So yeah, and not just it's not it's you know the journeyman musicians as well, not just the the big names, but a lot of these folks who exactly. You know, Oh yeah, that's important to say. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Well, um, I'm th- you know thinking I was reading the 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 biography on your dad that came out in like about the mid '90s and thinking about some different themes kind of from his life, and you know his you know his upbringing in the Mississippi Delta was obviously very formative and kind of informed him as a person. How did mm-hmm. how did that you know his childhood kind of express itself in in your family growing up huh that's funny yeah well we we spent a lot of time uh in mississippi you know uh in the town and on the farm you know like there was a farm where he he was born and there was a house that was up like until i was an adult you know Mm -hmm. that it was was abandoned you know but still standing and you know, my grandmother lived there and my cousins and my aunt and uncle. So we used to go pretty often. So we had like firsthand kind of feel for what it was like for him. But, you know, of course, when he was young, it was, you know, he didn't have electricity. They didn't, but, he, you know, and but he, and, you know, I think he worked in his dad's store. I think he helped with the farm and he, uh, and the main thing is that he says he heard such a variety of music, you know, that he got inspiration from, which, you know, blues. He said they were all kind of blues and, and country blues and then, you know, um, boogie-woogie uh, and jump. I know, um, I think he said Louis Jordan and, you know, all kinds of jazz. Nat King Cole was really big. His trio was yeah. a big influence so he just, it seems like he just, and probably country music too. I know my dad used to like Lefty Frizzell for one. You know, oh, really? Like, so, yeah, I mean, I think that, you know, he just had like a real uh, wealth of of influence, you know. And, and you know, he said he it used to be on the jukebox at the uh, the gas station or whatever, wherever. And so uh, I imagine he spent a lot of time there, you know. And I think he started playing um, piano at like school funk school th- things, you know, and he he wrote funny songs. He wrote a song called the 14 day Palm Olive plan, which was about, you know, making fun of ads on radio. Mm-hmm. And, um, so, but, um, yeah, I mean, I, I think I have a feeling he was, that he was alone, that he was kind of lonely as a kid. I don't know, but yeah. but also he had like this great, you know, stuff in the air, you know, in the music, you know, his right. music was, uh, yeah. So was there a lot of music being played when you were growing up? Was that something he was he listening to a lot of records or, or practicing around the house? Was that a big element of that? <laughs> 
Yeah, I mean, he listens to, uh, he had some records that, you know, still are like some of my favorite records, like the he had a Billie Holiday early record, and and he had a record by Jerry Southern, who's a singer that I really like. But he also, he himself listened to a lot of 20th century, uh, you know, contemporary composers, mm. you know. And also, I remember he had like an album of like... Uh, uh, an album I I was obsessed with was a Sabicus record, like a flamenco record. Oh wow! And then he had the, the guitar player, and then he had stuff like uh, Romanian folk songs, or you know, and and you know, he loved a lot of uh, you know, like Bartok and Sriabin and and Hindemith and Ives, and I don't know who else. Um, but you know what I mean? He he was real interested in contemporary classical. Hmm. Uh, as well as, uh, you know, other stuff. <laughs> yeah. But I think that, I think he listened to that because he thought it was challenging. I think that, you know, I think he, he evolved so much as a piano player and it, it sort of, you know, I think it gave him new ideas, you know, or yeah. new direction. New ideas. Yeah. Uh, you're listening to the Arts Hour. I'm Larry Morrissey, and we're talking by phone today with Amy Allison. She's the daughter of Mose Allison, and we're talking about the new tribute album that's just come out called If You're Going Into the City, which a bunch of different uh, musicians are doing uh, songs by Mose Allison. Um, kind of um, jumping off of that idea of kind of always challenge yourself, I, I read a really, there's a really nice remembrance by um, Ratso Harris, who was a bass player who worked with him a lot, and he talked about uh-huh. kind of like, uh, you know, that when he first started playing with him, he thought, oh, you know, I know his songs. You know, I've, I grew up hearing them on the radio. And then when he got there to the gig, it was, he was doing them completely different. <laughs> you know, he, he had gone, he was a totally different piano player than he was, you know, in the 60s. And this was, I guess, by the early 1980s. So right. I, I, I saw that theme a lot and, you know, kind of always, can you talk a little bit about his need to always kind of push forward in terms of musically? Well, I think he said, you know, he he always, I think the main thing for him was playing live, you know, because, yeah. you know, there was, you know, you never know what was going to happen. You know, improvisation was, you know, that was like the main thing for him is that, um, you know, he loved that moment where you, where you, you know, you, something comes together and it just happens, you know, and, and you don't expect it and you don't plan it. And you, and I think that was really important to him. I'm trying to think of a quote that he used to use, which was, I can't remember what it was, but it was all about how um, improvisation was so important. Like, you know, that, that, and I think that's why he didn't really like recording so much. Yeah. Is because he would he would never you know it, he would just you know he just wanted to be there playing and and not thinking about about being heard you know just kind of feeling it and thinking it at the same time you know yeah I saw a quote where he said records are just shadows and that <laughs> <laughs> so they weren't yeah they weren't important and I like the it's idea of funny. a lot of people you know there was. A lot of jazz musicians, you know, want to have that core group around them all the time where it seemed like from reading about him that he he, he liked the, the challenge of, of every week, you know, every week it was a new bass player and a new drummer that, that he was kind of interacting yeah. with. 
Yeah, I think that he felt, you know, that kept him fresh. It kept it interesting. It's like, yeah, he. I think that's true. Um, well, let's let's listen to another track off the album. Let's take another quick music break. Um, this one, okay. I picked out another one. I don't know if you have anything, but um, I saw Charlie Musselwhite, who's a, a, a fellow native Mississippian from Kosciuszko, Mississippi, yeah. is uh, does a right. track here on with his uh, now partner, kind of, they've been doing a lot of records together, Ben Harper. Yeah, that's a great, that's a great one. And, and they chose Nightclub, which is not, I don't think that's like one of the first tier songs that people know. So, and it's, it's, uh, it's a really good example, you know, of my dad's humor, and you know, so I think it's, yeah, they did a great job. Yeah, and it's it's kind of like the plight of the journeyman musician, and and Charlie Musselwhite, exactly. who knows that just as well. There's so much uh, authenticity <laughs> right. coming from him about. Oh yeah, yeah you know definitely. that that idea they can, of they can relate. They absolutely. Relate. Yeah. I'm here tonight. Exactly. I'll be somewhere else tomorrow night. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. On Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit, you get information about foods you should eat to stay in good health and tips on how to stay active. I'm Dr. Josie Bidwell, host of Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit and Associate Professor of Preventive Medicine at the University of Mississippi Medical Center. Joining me on the show each week are healthcare professionals who add their expertise to the discussion. Listen to the show every Monday at 11 or subscribe to the podcast by searching for Southern Remedy with your preferred podcasting app. We're back for the final segment of the Arts Hour. I'm Larry Morrissey, and our guest today is Amy Allison. She's the daughter of the late Mose Allison, and there's a brand new tribute album out uh, uh, paying tribute to him called If You're Going to the City on Fat Possum Records. Um, one of the other kind of themes that I was hoping we could talk about is, you know, um, uh, Mose Allison as the lyricist, and everyone you know constantly talks about his you know his how how what a great lyricist he was. And I, in the biography, it talks a little bit about kind of his you know that he he ended up an English major at LSU, and I guess at some point was trying to do some writing. And and I've also mm-hmm. read that he was you know a big reader. So I was curious about kind of the the the, the writing and and reading side of him. Yeah, I mean, I, I I know that he did some writing when he was younger, like short stories, and um, my mother has them, and she says they were really good, and, you know, I think he did explore that. Uh, and, yeah, he's a huge reader, you know. He, he read, uh, I think when, when, you know, in my, um, maybe, I'm not sure about when he was younger, but um, he, oh, gosh, he... He read lots of nonfiction, lots of history, lots of things about um, the cosmos. And, I mean, just all kinds of um, esoteric stuff, you know. But he was always reading. Yeah. And your your mother was an English teacher as well, right? Yeah, so yeah. Kind my, of that... mother, <laughs> my mother was an English teacher, yeah. That's true. So the written word was a, was a, is equally important, I guess, in your household. Yeah, I think definitely. Yeah. Well, and, and one of the other themes I wanted to get at was kind of his um, his independence and how he, you know, uh, 
I guess he was interesting when he became a recording artist at that point. You know, a lot of, especially kind of in the rock realm, somebody will will start and they'll be in their early 20s and and maybe maybe a little more impressionable in terms of someone telling them what to do, where, where Mose Allison was probably uh, – almost 30 by the time he started, he started as a kind of a, a recording artist, you know, he had worked a lot mm-hmm. with other musicians. Um, right. Can you talk, and can you talk a little bit about kind of his, like how, you know, he had that, this really firm idea about what he was about and what he was going to do. Yeah. I mean, it's, um, it's funny. Like he, uh, you know, he, he, let me see. What was I going to say? Sorry. <laughs> He, you know, he was always, I think he was just somebody who couldn't, you know, he just did it um, his own way and couldn't, I don't think he could imagine kind of, I mean, I suppose when he was really young, he would try to sound like somebody or, you know, that he admired. But um, I know his first record, Backcountry Suite, you know, was like mostly, uh, you know, instrumental sketches, like based on, I think he... He said that I think um, Bartok had done something based on like Romanian, some kind of, I don't know if it's Romanian, whatever, folk song. Yeah, his, the, so the folk songs of his land, right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I think that my dad sort of used that as sort of like an inspiration for a backcountry suite. And then, you know, he, once people heard him sing, they wanted to hear him sing more, you know, and, and, um, uh, you know, he's never, he's always just, I, I feel like he's totally unique. Like, I, I think his piano style is, I, I, you know, I it's not like anybody else, I don't think, right. you know. And it really is like a convergence, you know, of, of uh, his influences. It's like, but he's definitely got his own thing. And he had, you know, when he would tell musicians, um, that played with them, you know, he would give them specific, like, no, I don't want any uh, backbeat. I don't want, he, you know, he he wanted, I think he felt like that was too regimented. You know, he just right. wanted, uh, so, yeah, but, um, I mean, in, in my life, he's just always been just who he is. <laughs> you know what I mean? He's just yeah. very, like, he, you know, you're never going to get, uh, you're always gonna get him, you know. On, on um, you know, I never heard him say anything he didn't mean or didn't. You know what I mean? Right. He's just somebody who's very honest and very plain spoken, and uh, real, and you know, thought a lot about stuff, you know, and and was really decent and had a lot of integrity. Yeah, it, it, there's kind of a, it seems like a very well-told story of him. You know, he was on Atlantic Records, which was a legendary label for many years. And the kind of, le- one of the legendary producers there, Jerry Wexler, wanted to send him down to Muscle Shoals, Alabama, where Aretha Franklin and the Staple Singers, all these groups were going down there and getting these, you mm-hmm. know, top 10 hits. And he was like, you should go down. And, and Mose Allison was like, uh <laughs> No, no, that's not what I do. Just you know, reject it out of hand. Right. So. I know he he did a lot of. I mean, and I would have liked to hear that record. That's what you know. I think it would have been an interesting um, record. You know, I think it I would've. do too. Yeah. Of course, I mean, it would 
be it would have been great. But I understand like he just he was never driven by any kind of like trying to please the powers that be or, you know, make money. He was just kind of like he did his own thing and he was like fine with that. And, um, you know, like anyway, he just it just didn't happen because he just he, he said he liked the trio. He said that was what he really felt was his, um, you know, but I mean, I, I, I would have liked to hear that record too. You know, yeah, I anyway. think it could have been interesting, <laughs> but I can imagine yeah. at the time it was like you want to turn me into a pop star, and you know, and he's a yeah thirty something year old it. father of four, and you know, <laughs> pretty That's unlikely. True. He was always yeah, he was always pretty um, you know uh, skeptical of uh, yeah of like the commercially driven you know yeah he was all he was definitely uh, not into that yeah. You know? You're listening to the Arts Hour, and our guest today is Amy Allison. We're talking about the the new tribute album that's just come out uh, in tribute of her father, Mo, the late Mose Allison, called "If You're Going to the City." That's on Fat Possum Records. Um, well, let's let's switch uh, switch it up a little bit and talk about now. You you are a, a singer and a songwriter yourself, and uh, I'm curious to hear about. Kind of, and, and and you've kind of been a lot in the in the kind of country and country pop realm. So, how did that mm-hmm. growing up on Long Island, where and and the son, the daughter <laughs> of a of a not totally, you know, in the jazz realm artist, how did that come about? <laughs> well, um, I think you know, I was always, you know, my dad set an example. That, you know, you just you know, you, that you're an individual and you, you're influenced or you do whatever you, whatever you feel. And you, and I, when I was young, I saw Loretta Lynn on TV (laughs) Mm -hmm. and, um, and I really just, you know, fell in love with her. And then I just started writing country songs and, you know, so it was always kind of, um, you know, in the country um, vein that I, I started writing, but I think that, you know, it's definitely uh, covers a lot of ground now. It's not just country, but um, that's what what started it. You know, and uh, um, yep. Where was now in the when you were coming up? Of course, there wasn't you know satellite radio and stuff. So where was was there country radio in in Long Island in the sixties and seventies, or how how did you hear it? If there was, I didn't hear it. I don't know where, but I heard it on, like, what happened was, like, for instance, with Loretta Lynn, I went out and I think I was looking for a record of hers, like, at the local Sam Goodies for, like, weeks, and then finally I found one, you know. So it was like back then when you didn't have access, ready access to everything, it was like the holy grail, you know, you finally, and then I would just, uh, and then... You know, I remember going to the library uh, and and getting, like, collections out of the library, like Armed Forces Radio or whatever, I, you know. Oh, yeah, those are some, stuff. those are good. Some of those are really good. I know. Yeah. <laughs> so that I would do that, and, you know, I, um, again, I don't know how, but I ended up just being a big fan of, but, you know, I, I'm influenced by everything, though, you know, a lot. I mean, uh you know, but I think as far as my voice, 
I mean, I don't, I don't just mean my physical voice, but you know, my expressive whatever voice. It's yeah. like country, country music, country really suited me, you know. Yeah. So, I, I thought the songs, the songs had a lot of humor, a lot of wordplay, a lot of, you know, feeling, and you know. Yeah, sounds like somebody we know too. Yeah, like kind of coming <laughs> out of your father's, you know, the same in the same school in a lot of ways. <laughs> right. Um, so what were your, when you decided to finally kind of get on stage, where were the outlets for, in the New York area, for someone to, to do acoustic music like that at the time? Well, you know, it just so happens that I was part of like this whole, uh, alt country scene in, um, that happened. It probably happened a little, I mean, I started in a performance space. It was like performance art. (laughs) And I just happened to, they would have all kinds of, you know, acts and stuff. And then they'd have a musical act. And I started there. Um, but there was a big scene of, like, of alternative country music in, in Manhattan then, you know, when in Brooklyn when, when I was coming up. So it's actually, I, I played a lot, you know. I, um, I found all kinds of places to play. And then, you know, at my first album... Um, came out in the mid nineties, even though I had been playing for a while. I, um, and, uh, I've been playing really ever since, you know, I mean, not as much now as, as then, because there just aren't as many places to play, Yeah, you know, seems like a lot of the old haunts have been chased out of at least Manhattan in terms of oh, performance yeah, spaces. Definitely. You know? Oh yeah, it's true. Yep. Is that is that something that's gonna? Are people is there, is there a readjustment in terms of new types of spaces coming open or? Well, you know, I'm not so totally uh, in the know, but you oh, know, okay. like I know there are <laughs> there are young people. I think Brooklyn is like a big scene. You know, there's a lot of um, like uh, music there, but I mean, for for what I did particularly and and. Um, there just seemed to be a good niche, you know, back, it was like in the late 80s and in the 90s, you know. Mm-hmm. And then I had another band that I uh, started in the mid-90s called Parlor James with uh, the founder of Lone Justice, and he, um, Ryan Hedgecock. So we did a couple of albums um, that um, that were on Fire Records. and But, I've, uh, but I do have a new... Um, it's so funny because I just got copies of a, a new my new record, which is um, it's called Pop Tunes in the Setting Sun, and the title the title comes from one of the songs about when I lived in Memphis. Oh, okay. Um, so it's so um, yeah, that it's funny, and it you know so that's my it's called Pop Tunes in the Setting Sun. Did I say that? Yeah. <laughs> And, and that's a that's a, a, a like a, a a tribute to Memphis, or is there a, a Memphis vibe to no, it? Or? Just, there's a song. The first song on the record is "Blue Plate Special," and that's about the time when I was young that I lived in Memphis for like nine months. So oh, it's just okay. kind of like before, like you know, I got married in Mississippi, so me and my husband at the time, you know, before we got married. And then after we got married, we lived in Memphis because it was nearby and we were like, um, he was English and, and 
uh, we just didn't know where to, we thought, oh, we'll go to Memphis, you know, because we're getting married in December in Mississippi. So, you know, so it was just, so it's like in my mind, it's this real set time, you know. Oh, okay. So that's what the, that's where the title comes from. It's, it's part, it's in that song, Blue Plate Special, the first one. Yeah. And then uh, one of your, you mentioned also, t- tell us about the, the song, Emmy Lou Harris recorded one of your songs recently. Yeah, she and Rodney Crowell on this, uh, the Traveling Kind. It's the, uh, it was their second duet record, I think. Joe Henry produced it, and um, yeah, so she um, apparently, I was told that she had really loved the song for a while, which was like mind blowing to me, and and <laughs> and then I found out that Elvis Costello had actually sent her the song, and that was great that was really nice too and she, yeah so it's on i think it's the traveling kind and the name of the song is her hair was red and that's actually written about my father's mother okay your grandmother okay you know yeah my grandmother who um yeah her name was maxine, maxine. <laughs> for anybody in mississippi listening who knows maxine Allison, she was a teacher too yeah, it sounded like she had quite an influence in the community from the, the biography. Kind of yeah. talked about her as kind of a, a pretty vibrant person in that in that community. Yeah, well, she was. Well, we got to head out, but I want to make sure and let everybody know that the uh, the new record tribute record. If you're going to the city, it's out now on Fat Possum Records, and uh, so you can find it wherever wherever records are sold, as they say. Um, for people who are interested in learning more about your music, where should they go? Um, they could just, you know, they can just Google that, um, me or the, or the title. I also have, a um, uh, a website, amyallisonmusic.com. And then is uh, Fat Possum has a lot of good coverage for the new, like they, if people can go to their website, um, it's also my father, there's also a website for my dad, which is just moseallison.com. Yeah, and it's got some great and, photos and all kinds of stuff on there as well. Yeah, right. And they use some really great photos in the package. I, and, and also included in the package, you know, is that, I don't know if we, we didn't really mention this, but the DVD by Paul Bernays. It was the BBC, BBC Four documentary called Ever Since I Stole the Blues. So oh, that's okay. part of the package. Yeah, so Excellent. that's just a free extra it's a documentary and it's really great so yeah just so people know that that when they buy if you go into the city it'll include that great great as well well thank you so much for your time today we really appreciate it well thank you so much and hi to everybody in mississippi yeah For those of you who are tuning in late and uh, would like to share the show with a friend or listen back, you can go to the MPB website at mpbonline.org. They post all the past shows, streaming files. You can also uh, uh, download or subscribe to the show as a podcast on, on your favorite podcast app. So until next time, we'll be seeing you around. I'm Allison Walker, the lady auto mechanic, host of AutoCorrect. If you're enjoying this podcast, try my podcast, AutoCorrect. We help steer you in the right direction with your car problems. Find me on any podcast platform or at autocorrect.mpbonline.org.